It is the 200 level episode 351, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Tuesday evening. And this is take two. <laughs> you can't, if you're just listening to the audio, you can't tell it. We just had some YouTube issues. But what the heck? You, when, at first, you don't succeed. Try and try again. But now that we've worked out the kinks, we have a lot to talk about today. So, with Illinois Penn State looming on Saturday, the question really becomes is this about. Saturday's game in terms of wins and losses, or is this more about recalibrating our expectations and figuring out what would make us happy by the end of the season? And when I say real recalibrate expectations, I think that understandably makes people a little bit leery. We're only two weeks in. Just by saying recalibrate, that might seem overreactionary, but we also need to go off the eye test and what we've seen so far which is not all that great. And I should say defensively, especially very troubling. So today's podcast is going to be about a couple things. One, what are the issues that this team can fix? And we'll start with that. And two, what's the path to success? I think the easy answer to that would be bowl game. And we'll talk about, I don't want to say gimmies, but games that you must win and probably should win. And that fortunately, after watching games on Saturday in the Big Ten West... I don't know. Are there any Big Ten West games you're going to go into and think there's no chance of winning it? I'd say probably not. Let's start off with the things that I think, upon reflection, can be fixed with the Illinois team. And I want to start offensively because I do think there's actually some potential there that maybe we did not expect to see. Offensively, your line has been a struggle. And much more than we probably anticipated. We thought this was going to be one of the strengths of the team, but unfortunately the experiment of Pearl and Adams on the left side, good as that has been for them, has been costly to the right side of the line. Zy Chrysler has struggled mightily in his first action at right tackle. So when I talk about the offensive line and how you fix it, it does seem like personnel-wise there are some quick little shifts that you can do to make that serviceable, to make it actually fine. And I'll be anxious to see on Saturday, and they'll stay mum about it until the game. I'll be anxious to see what five they bring out and in what iteration, in what formation on Saturday. If you see Isaiah Williams on the right side, I think they will have basically told you they would rather bookend that line with two guys you can trust. Bring Chrysler back into an area of strength, which is right guard, and then you kind of go from there. So I'd feel... Pretty good about that, to see that immediately they're adapting to something that is not working. And I don't want to say it's an easy fix, but it does seem like an obvious one that can put them in better position to succeed. And that has really been what's ailed this offense, offense so far, is that Luke Altmaier is getting killed way too much, mostly because the right side has struggled as much as it has. And if you want any success this season, you must keep him upright. So priority number one, even before I touch the defense, Priority number one, I think, is offensive line because that will make things look so much better from the run game, for the pass game, just so Luke Altmaier, one, stays healthy, and two, doesn't start basically hearing things back there, hearing ghosts as they're approaching him, right? Or hearing footsteps, excuse me. I kind of messed up that, messed up that idiom there. So that's one is the offensive line, and I'll be watching that Saturday. As I look through the rest of the offense, you feel good about quarterback. You'd like to see the wide receivers have an improved game and get actually some separation, though Penn State's secondary is going to make it tough to do that. And then the run game has shown signs, but unfortunately you did not put yourselves in a position to establish the run on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday against Kansas. All in all, I think that can be figured out. Offensively, I think you can be just fine. And that leads me to the biggest question mark of all is Barry Lunny. And I really enjoyed talking to him back in July, and it was the first podcast back. I think he's a thoughtful guy. I think he's probably a really smart football mind. But for some reason, he has this propensity, I think, to overthink. And that's got to stop. That's really got to stop. And, of course, the glaring example on Friday was the <laughs> lining up your tight end under center on a third and one or a fourth and one, whichever it was. It was a joke. Stop. Matt Nagy-esque, just like we saw the Bears do when they lined up their tight end for a third and one against the Packers. Just do a quarterback sneak or get Josh McCray out there. I know it didn't work against Toledo, but you know what? I'd rather you fail on a tried and true run up the middle than getting cute. You can go back to the hook and ladder two-point conversion 
against Toledo. These things got to stop. They have to stop because what's happening with those two examples, but far too many others, you are derailing momentum offensively. Of course, it starts with execution on the line, and I think you can fix that. But ultimately, I think the story of the season won't be the offensive line. It will be Barry Lunny. I think we kind of knew that coming in. I just wish that we would have gotten more positive answers early in the season about what this offense can be. They've shown signs, but it's intermittent, it's inconsistent, and it's got to be better, especially now that you have a quarterback that you think you can trust that's a playmaker. Defensively, I don't know what the heck to say. This has been the biggest surprise because you have a defense that, quite honestly, should be good. Not great, not elite, but better than this. Think about the returning guys that you do have, because I know the focus has been on what you don't have. But the defensive line, minus Calvin Avery, is back. And I don't want to dismiss what Calvin Avery did. He ate up a lot of space in the middle, and that's what you want from a nose tackle. But you have guys that should be able to do that. And the defensive line showed a few things, fortunately, against Kansas. They did get to the quarterback, and then it really led to the second level where I have questions. And I'll put the outside linebackers in that second level conversation along with the inside linebackers. Because Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes have left you wanting. And unfortunately, I don't know if that's a quick fix. They are what they are, right? At a certain point, you can't just flip a switch and magically turn guys that are mightily struggling into studs. I don't know how that works. And you feel good, I guess, about Alec Bryant, and you feel good about the depth there. And boy, did they sing the praises of their outside linebackers this offseason. But they have been nowhere to be found. On the stat sheet, eye test, you name it, the outside linebackers have been MIA. Why is that? Inside linebackers, a step too slow. And this might be a bugaboo this year for teams that have already figured out now we can exploit a Tariq Barnes or Dylan Rosiak because they don't have the speed to match up with a third wide receiver or running back out of the backfield. And in fairness, not a lot of linebackers do. So then that leads me to think, oh dear God, what if this is schematic? What if this is a fundamental issue that you're now facing because you don't have boy genius Ryan Walters back there? Now, I might have been too dismissive about losing Ryan Walters, but I also looked at the track record of Brett Bielema and thought he's worked with many coordinators, and on the whole, defense remains a fairly consistent part of what Brett Bielema's teams do well. But that's not the case so far, and in fact, this has been a bad defense statistically, granted against probably good offenses, And after Penn State on Saturday, the offenses you face take a significant step back from what you've seen. But you know what? Now that the tape's out there, Graham Harrell and Purdue are going to be looking at that tape and licking their chops about McAbee, Devin McAbee running through the gaps, gashing Illinois' defense, and Hudson Carr just picking them apart because Illinois can't quite figure out, do we go man, do we go go zone? It's like an identity crisis right now for Aaron Henry and this defense, and I don't know, what do you do, just really simplify it and just have them go out there and play, I'm not sure, I mean, this is why those guys are getting paid the big bucks, and I'm sitting here scratching my head thinking, I don't know what the answer is, but they need to know something over there, they need to figure out something to make this a serviceable defense, and that's really where it starts, if you can get back to middle of the pack Big Ten defense, and Big Ten West opponents might help you do that, then guess what, this offense is good enough to complement a middle-of-the-pack defense. It's good enough to help you reach the six-win plateau that is so crucial this season. Hey, special teams is great. Offense, I think they'll figure it out, but it comes down to play calling. And then defensively, what the heck is going on? I wish there was a game before Penn State to maybe figure that out. I don't know how much you can learn when you're playing a bunch of Jimmys and Joes, as Ron Zook would say, that are bigger, faster, and stronger than you are. But I do think it's also an opportunity for us to go into a game as fans and watch it from a different perspective, where no one, let's be honest, no one in that stadium on Saturday is going to walk in thinking, we got this. And not many are going to be thinking that we can spring the upset. And that's okay. I don't expect it. Frankly, I don't need it, now that I've kind of recalibrated expectations. Of course, it'd feel amazing if they did. There have been crazier upsets. I'm not going to walk in there saying there's a zero chance. 
It's football. Football's weird. I tried to use that mantra to convince myself of an Illini Kansas win, or at the very least, a more complete performance from Illinois. But they didn't quite follow what I aspired them to do last Friday. I'd say for most of us, they didn't follow what we aspired for them to do against Kansas. So Saturday is, I don't want to say an inconvenience, but it is going to be sort of an incomplete grade. It's going to be difficult to gather enough information to know if this team either turned a corner or heading in the right direction. And that will be more of a slow drip of information that trickles out against Florida Atlantic, against Purdue, against Nebraska the week following that, against Maryland, which is a tough road matchup that I never felt good about even when I thought we'd be good off the bat. So today, what we're going to talk about, and I asked the Twitterverse this question, what do you need for this to be a successful season? How have you recalibrated your expectations? And when we say recalibrate expectations, it's a scary thought. It is. It means that we were possibly bamboozled or fooled into thinking something that just wasn't true. In actuality, I think that football and the nature of football, this is not an Illini-centric problem. Sometimes when you line up, you finally get a full picture of what you had. This team has an opportunity to avoid the pitfalls that have befallen the 2002 and the 2008 Illini. And the good news is the schedule still gives them a path to the six wins they need so we do not lump 2023 in with those seasons that we so hate to dredge up. But unfortunately, as Illini fans, it's hard not to. The path is there. So we're going to talk about the sponsors, talk about the path, get to your feedback as well. First of all, DP Doe. I'm on a dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So order online at dpdoe.com. They can deliver a business lunch. They can deliver a celebratory calzone. Could you imagine if on Saturday you get to have a celebratory calzone, how good that would taste? And you get to choose the toppings or one of the favorites I'll give you a recommendation. I always mention this, the Maui Wowie. I know some people don't think pineapple on pizza makes any sense, but this is pineapple and ham and cheese in a calzone. It's delicious. So you don't need to feel like you're being blasphemous. It's a calzone. It's not pizza. Don't be, you know, a stickler about the rules. DPDo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at BrianIsMyGuy.com. Uh, We have this app called Ting, that's T-I-N-G, which is free from State Farm, which monitors your home electrical system. It can let you know if there's anything amiss. And unfortunately, most home fires are started by faulty electrical wiring or surges. I'm not really good with electricity, but I'm glad that there's something watching it in this old house that we live in. Free from State Farm, among many other benefits you get. So go online to brianismyguy.com for Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. That's 841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing is your home's best friend. We got furnace check season coming up. Ours is in the second week of October, I believe, second or third week. And they have done such a good job with our AC, such a good job with our furnace. It was the coziest, warmest winter we've yet had in this house. And it was the coolest, chillest summer we've had Old houses require really good HVAC work, and fortunately, the fellas and the ladies over at Dogtown are so good at this, and the customer service second to none. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, that's 217-841-4728. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com. Go online for a gallery of the work they've done. Decks, patios, home additions, kitchens, bathrooms. Very versatile. What I like about them as well is for anyone that's worked with contractors, you know that can be a hit or miss affair. Communication is key, and not all contractors are good at it. Owen Builders are. I've met Luke a few times, and when you have someone like him that's trustworthy and easy to communicate with, let's be honest, that makes the job so much easier. That's half the battle. Oh, yeah, and their work's really good, too. That's OwenBuildersLLC.com. Also got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Uh, Hey, everybody, we have a 200-level hoodie, and in the chat window... I'm going to put the link for it. We got a pre-order going now through Sunday. And this hoodie is blue, soft cotton, and it's got the 200-level logo on in the middle that's screen printed, really sharp screen printing. For anyone that got the T-shirt, 
and know the quality that we got with that. This is going to be even better. We are sparing no expense on this hooded sweatshirt. So if you want to check that out, that link is in the YouTube chat window, or you can also find that on my Twitter at FanboyCarp or on the 200 Levels Twitter at the 200 Levels. We're taking those through Sunday. All right, let's talk about the path to six. And I was, let's be honest, trying to make myself feel better on Saturday. First off, about Saturday, or about Friday, I, I addressed the Twitter kerfuffle, and boy, it was an ugly place on Friday. But I do need to also, if we want to call it take responsibility, that's okay. Not necessarily an apology, because I, I don't know if I said anything necessarily bad, but I do think I could have communicated things far better. On Friday, the tweet that got a whole lot of response, I think it ended up with like 35,000 impressions or something ridiculous. And unfortunately, when the algorithm picks up on something, who boy, that's the thing that gets out there. No matter what else you tweet, that's the thing that stays out there. So I noticed upon reading that again and thinking about the reaction that I got, timing is important. So when I tweet out how long until Illini fans turn on Bielema? When I tweet that out and I don't provide the historical context I was thinking about in that tweet, and I tweet it out when it's 28 to 7 or 21 to 7, whatever it was, it wasn't good. That's going to get a reaction. So while my intent wasn't to instigate, duh, it's going to get a response. So at 36, I think I can be a little more hmm, eloquent or at least thoughtful in what I say, even in the heat of the moment watching a game where Illinois is not playing as well as they should be, in my mind. If I'm going to put something like that out there, I should at least clarify it, add context, or maybe think, is this the time or place to do it? Because what it ended up doing was probably making me sound overly reactionary. And while I do react with emotion, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, unless you're a beat reporter and you can't be emotional, you can't be subjective. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but at the same time, that doesn't give me necessarily an excuse to be haphazard in what I say. I try to pride myself in being thoughtful and emotional, you know, balancing the thoughtful and the fanatic. And I think I, I just stepped into a few puddles on Friday, probably stemming from anger, probably stemming from sadness that we were losing another one of these games. So I guess that's a winded, long-winded way of saying without, and I, it sounds like I'm making it about me and I apologize for that. I hate, I hate to do that, but I'm just going to try to be more thoughtful in the things that I tweet because the good thing about Twitter and the bad thing about Twitter is that you got 280 characters to do it. And I think the positive of that is you got to make each word count. I didn't really do that on Friday, especially with the how long until the line fans turn on Bilo. But I think it's fair to say that if they make a bowl game this year, Illini fans will not turn on Brett Bielema. They, they go six and six. They will not turn on Brett Bielema. <laughs> you know? If they go less than six and six, I don't think it's about turning on Brett Bielema. But I think now all the old ghost of failures past, those get dredged up. And you start thinking about, oh God, is this going to be Arkansas Brett Bielema? Which I know is already kind of in the back of some Illini fans' minds, and understandably. You don't want a repeat of that. Now, I granted, I looked at his record at Arkansas and thought, that's pretty good. But then you get your first 8-1 season here, and you think, okay, these fans have seen the 5-1 follow-up way too many times. We cannot afford that. Don't do that. And then the first two games happen. Which lead a lot of Illini fans to think, oh dear God, it's happening again. Myself included, though, Saturday, reflection, Whew, take a deep breath. How can you get to six? Well, let's keep it, a, let's keep it really simple to start. Probably not going to be Penn State. <laughs> it's not, not in the cards. I think the spread is maybe a little too high. I do think Illinois will hang in there for a while on Saturday. Based on past experience with Bielema after the worst of performances. After Virginia, they hung with Maryland. After, oh, well, and they should have beat Maryland. This is 2021. After Wisconsin at home, just a shellacking in 2021. Go on the road, they beat Penn State. They did have, I think, the benefit of a bye week then, too. But Florida Atlantic, you got to win. 
Florida Atlantic lost this last weekend 17-10 to to Ohio. I believe Casey Thompson is their quarterback, the former Nebraska guy, so he can run. But sorry, you beat Florida Atlantic. You have to. Then you have Purdue. I'm going to leave that aside as a toss-up game right now. The win that they had at Virginia Tech was impressive. It's early enough in the season where if they're starting to feel their oats a little bit, which I know I said that umpteen times with Harry on the last pod, and he'll be back next week, that that's a more dangerous game than I might have anticipated. But I'm going to leave that as a toss-up. And then you have Nebraska at home. You got to win that. They're bad. There are Nebraska fans that already want Matt Rule fired. I'll be honest, he's not exactly warm and fuzzy. He kind of looks like a scuzzball. I'm not saying he is. just saying he looks like it. I know it's not nice. I'm sorry. And what, what if they got this wrong again? Just imagine if you're a Nebraska fan and they got this wrong again. They fire Bo Pelini, the perpetual jerk, and then they go Mike Riley, Scott Frost, Matt Rule, and they all stink. Imagine. It could happen. I, I don't think Nebraska is that attractive of a destination Unless they really just pay every damn player to come in there and play. And you know what? They might have crazy enough NIL donors to do that. So you got to be Nebraska. You got to be Florida Atlantic. That right there, even if you lost to Purdue, even if you lost to Purdue, has you at 3-3 three and three halfway through the season. You can live with that. Now, you're nervous about getting to 6 when you're 3-3 three and because three, the next game is at Maryland. No one feels good about that, and I'll call it, just for the sake of argument, a toss-up. We'll have toss-ups and we'll have must-wins. Because you know what? Watching a lot of these teams, Maryland included last weekend, they struggled at home against Charlotte. I know it's early, and I know they're dangerous when they get going, but you know what? They can also be very lethargic. It's a Mike Loxley team. It's hot and cold. So 3-3, three and three, even if you lose to Purdue and Penn State. Let's call Maryland a loss, three and four. Okay, well, no, no, sorry. We got toss-ups and we got must-wins. Wisconsin, toss-up. Okay, so the toss-ups right now are Purdue, Maryland, Wisconsin. And the must-wins are Florida Atlantic and Nebraska. This leads to a bye week in the last few games of the year. Minnesota, toss-up. Though I am not that impressed by them. How could you be? Indiana at home, when you have to. Iowa on the road, toss up. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say a sure thing loss. Again, it's Iowa. It's the same freaking Iowa. They lost to Nebraska at home when all they had to do was beat them to go to the Big Ten title last year. This is not a different Iowa team. Cade McNamara or not, it's the same story. Finally, Northwestern win. So here's what the tally leaves you at. There are four wins, four must wins on this docket. Ford Atlantic. Duh. Nebraska, of course, Indiana, Northwestern. And guess what? They're all at home. In a way, I'd rather take the must-wins as home wins. Or I should say, make it a sure thing. If Nebraska was on the road, I'd be nervous because you just don't know. At home, you got to get these four done. Otherwise, you do start to let doubt creep into the minds of Illini fans. you got to be careful with that. None of those four teams... Can you really afford to lose at home too? I don't think so. That gets you to five wins. With these toss-ups out there, at Purdue, we'll see. I I don't know what to think about that game. I keep waiting for the Bielema revenge narrative. I would have thought that, hey, Friday night in Kansas game two, there's no way he's going to let his team do the same thing. Well, they looked worse than they did that Friday night against Indiana last year. I don't know if the Bielema revenge thing, how often that's going to work, but if he's going to pull that card out, it's going to be for Purdue. If he's going to bust out the Bielema, I'm pissed off card, that's the one. Toss-up. Other toss-ups at Maryland, Wisconsin at home, though. I, I really think ultimately we're going to circle that Wisconsin game as the one. It's going to honestly take on an even greater importance because I think it is likely that you enter that game three and four. At which point, you really want to win it. And with a bye week looming, you kind of have to win it. Now, the bye week before Minnesota makes me feel a little bit better about that game. But if you're sitting there at 3-5, and five, and you need to win three of your last four to make a bowl game, 
which, by the way, they did win three of their last five in 2021. So they did have kind of a late season resurgence. But I'd rather not be sitting in that position. Indiana Northwestern, you got two in your back pocket, you would think, for November at home. If you got five wins going to the Northwestern game, you're playing Northwestern to make a bowl. I got to think there's enough juice there to get it done. Now, the good news is you could do even better than that. I mean, you could go on the road and beat Purdue. You could go on the road and you could beat Minnesota. You could beat Wisconsin home. And now all of a sudden we're talking eight wins again. I'm not even factoring the Penn State game in here because I do think it's much more of a macro thing we're looking at. And what Saturday tells us, it's hard to say. It's hard to judge what a game against the number seven team in the nation with all this talent is really going to tell us. Other than if Illinois competes and they look the part of a mid-level Big Ten team, I think our eyes will tell us that. And we will feel better just based on that. But there's still a ceiling out there of eight wins. There still is. And a lot would have to go right. And... I think a few things would have to go wrong for you to go five wins or less. That's why I'm kind of circling the wagons here at six and six. I'm licking my wounds and saying, okay, this team has issues. I think some are coaching inflicted at the moment on defense, and I don't know if they can fix it quickly enough. I think that some of those are on the offensive side with the inconsistent play calling and a lack of identity, which again, Barry Lunny wants to talk about lack of identity. You're the million-dollar man. You figure out the identity and make the players go execute it. But 6-6 six and six seems to me like, okay, where they're at right now, even as bad as they looked on Friday, and as bad as they looked for the majority of the Toledo game, both of them probably good opponents, probably pretty good opponents. The Toledos of the world are like Big Ten West teams. I mentioned this after the Toledo game. The reason that didn't bother me in hindsight was that I think Toledo, as they are presently constructed, would probably finish around fourth, maybe fifth in the Big Ten West. Let's call I, I think they would be able to compete with Minnesota. I think they could beat Purdue. I think they could beat Nebraska for sure. And they'd certainly beat Northwestern. And you played kind of rough, and you, man, by the skin of your teeth, you got the win. Thank you, Luke Altmyer and Casey Washington. Thank you, Miles Scott. But that's football. Sometimes it's weird week one. But when you followed it up with the lackluster performance of Kansas, then it's time to really recalibrate. After Toledo, I said, yeah, probably not nine wins. After Kansas, I might have dropped it another couple. But it was looking at the rest of the schedule and saying, wait a second, who really feels good right now? If I'm Wisconsin, I feel okay. I feel like I can get there. As far as like a seven win, eight win year. But at the same time, their expectations coming in, whether it be the media hyping them up as a top 25 team, they're not. Or just Luke Fickle saying, we're here to win championships. And he means like national championships. Shut up, you dope. You aren't going to win national titles at Wisconsin. That's not going to happen. Luke Fickle is not winning national titles at Wisconsin. Bookmark that for September 12th, 2023. But that's not hard to predict. It's not happening. What Big Ten fandom feels good right now? Big Ten West fandom. Minnesota, I don't know. They're going to find their way to seven wins again. Why can't we? Let's just pull a Minnesota this year. What the hell? Just pull a Minnesota. Win the games you should and then get one or two quality wins. Lose the others. Seven and five. Ho-hum. Hey, if they're in the pinstripe bowl, it might be a nice little trip to New York City. See, Illini football at Yankee State. Perfect for me. But now it's, yeah, I mean, I said this before the year, I'd be over the moon if they made the Music City Bowl. Well, I sit here today right now and say I would truly be ecstatic if they made the Music City Bowl because that would mean this team figured out a lot. It's not to say they can't. It's not to say they can't. It's just the multitude of issues on defense. When you hear a Jay Lehman say that on a concern scale from 1 to 10, he's at an 8 this is the same Jay Lehman that correctly identified that Indiana game as, hey, there's more good here than bad. It sucks to lose, but there's more good here than bad. I remember listening to that podcast the Monday after the Indiana game, trying to, again, lick my wounds and feel better about Illini football after such a disappointing loss. And his talking about it kind of did that. I was like, wait a second. You know, we, we should have won that game. Okay, think positive, Carp. Think positive. If you beat Virginia, all is well. And they did. Smoked him. So, 6-6. Six and six. Can they do it? Should they do it? Well, okay. 
Could they? Absolutely. Should they? 100%. Let's be honest. This team did not lose enough for them to fall that far. I don't think they did. Some would argue Carp. They lost their entire secondary, basically. Guess what? I don't think the secondary is the problem right now. I think it's your linebackers, and I'm going to throw the outside linebackers in there as well. I don't know what the heck they're doing. They're making no impact and honestly hurting you. How do you fix that? How do you fix guys that are constantly out of position, constantly a step slow? Secondary is not one of my biggest concerns right now. It just isn't. Oh, I lost the audio again, guys. Well, let's try that. Sorry uh, for the audio podcast feed. My YouTube feed is not exactly cooperating today. Doggone it. Chat window, let me know. So that's where I sit here today. Make six wins, move on, go with it. Now, what I did on Twitter earlier today was I threw out this question to people. And, okay, we're back in. Uh, I threw this question out to Twitter. Listener Mailbag says, after the first two games, have you shifted your expectations for the 2023 Illini football team? What do you hope to see going forward? Uh, And what would qualify as a successful season? I noticed there was a typo in that question. But regardless, here are some of your responses. Jacob says, I still stand by seven and five. I don't think it's the talent, but getting back to basics. For the D, they still just need to play their game, they need to stay in their gaps and assignment sound. On offense, the play calling needs to be better. The teams in the West have similar flaws as us, which makes getting to seven wins attainable. Jacob, I agree. And you stand by seven and five. I'm sitting here and saying I'm okay with six and six, but honestly, saying that, I wonder, am I just trying to put on the protective cup as a fan and make sure that if they only get six, that I'm not going to be devastated. No, of course I wouldn't be devastated if they got six wins and made a bowl game, but it wouldn't feel like progress. It would feel like merely holding on for dear life just so you don't feel miserable about it. But Jacob says seven and five. I think the seven and five, Jacob, we get back into that conversation with a win against Purdue. If after Florida Atlantic and Purdue you're 3-2 and two going into that Nebraska game, yeah, I do think you go back to the 7-5 conversation. That's where Purdue, I think, is a swing game, and I think Wisconsin's the game of the year. David says, preseason, I'd settled on 8-4 and four with a 10-2 and two ceiling, 6-6-4. Six and six four. Now I'm worried that 6-6 six and six may be the ceiling. So many things are correct, and I'm worried that a PSU loss might turn into an FAU loss and then a complete derailment. I'm an Illinois fan. Should know better than predicting 8-4. and four. David... That last part, real quick to address that, I get it. All of us in the back of our minds knew a disappointing season was the historical precedent. But I am tired of playing to type. I'm tired of falling. Like, I'm holding it at arm's length, consciously, deliberately. No, five and seven. Get out of here, five and seven. I don't want you around here. Because it shouldn't have to be that way. While I acknowledge that Brett Bielema does have long-term things to fix and address for this to be a sustainable winning program, quite simply with this schedule, David, you had enough coming back where 8-4 and four was a reasonable prediction. Jeremy Warner, far more reasonable guy than I, went 8-4. and four. And his questions, like most of us, were quarterback and defensive backs. So when the quarterback's really good and the defensive back's really are fine. I I have not noticed much yet to say, boy, our secondary stinks. Maybe they will against Penn State, but a lot of secondaries will. I understand what you're saying, but should have known better than predicting eight and four. I'm sorry. At a certain point, we should be able to predict eight and four. We should be able to. And there was enough on the docket this year, schedule included, that, yeah, you you should be able to get to eight. But right now, I'm amending that just based on how they look. Paul says, you can say goodbye to the idea of eight or nine wins, but six or even seven, hopefully, is still very much there for the taking. The Big Ten West remains unimpressive and wide open. After Saturday, the only very likely losses I see on the schedule are Maryland and Iowa. 
You know, Paul, I, I agree with that. You did not include Wisconsin in likely loss, and I think because of the home game and what I think will ultimately going into that will be the most important game of the season. Whether you are four and three or three and four, which I think are the two likeliest records going into that, that game is the big one. And I think we'll have to watch Wisconsin's trajectory here. They might have just had a rough second half against Washington State. They might have be saying the same thing that we are as Illini fans, that won't it be nice to just play boring old Big Ten West teams? And you know what? There is something to be said about playing teams that are a similar style. It can be difficult to adapt to opposing styles. But, yes, after Saturday, I agree with you. The only likely losses I see as well are at Maryland and Iowa. That leaves a lot on the table. Now, a lot of things have to go right and things have to be corrected. But, again, I go back to the Toledo game that even with all the mistakes you made, you still won. So... Toledo, to me, is not uncomparable or incomparable to a few Big Ten West teams. It's just get better and play to the capabilities that your personnel has, and you should get to seven wins, I think. But I'm going six. All right, this is from Kip. I came into the season with few expectations because the team lost so many key people from last year, but I did expect the defense to look more competent and for the O-line to be able to block better. I think six wins is the only realistic goal. I'd agree, Kip, that it is the most realistic goal. Hopefully not only, but out of all the options here, it does seem like people are kind of circling that. And I got a poll that I put up as well with listener feedback as to what they think the win total will be this year. All right, this is from Talking Sports on the Bleachers. Shifted, not really. I thought Kansas could be a stumbling block. I think Henry will make adjustments much like Walters did after the Virginia game in 2021. We'll probably lose to Penn State, but I expect a better game. Still think we can pull off an 8-1 season. Man, an 8-1 season, I'd be over the moon. You mentioned the Virginia game. I know that is, even in my mind, something that has been kind of percolating in my head as could we find some similarities between Game 2 against Virginia in 2021 and Game 2 against Kansas this year. And now that I think about it, in 2021, you went on the road and lost to Virginia after losing at home to UTSA. At that point, you're one and two. Then you lose to Maryland, and you're one and three. Then you lose to Purdue, and you're one and four. I forget what the second win was. Maybe it was Rutgers? No, because you lost to Rutgers later that year. But regardless, you were two and five, I think, going into Penn State. So, yeah, I, I hope... I really do that there are going to be, and and we're only going to know this as the season goes along, that we will look at the Kansas game similarly to the Virginia game in 2021. You saw it didn't work. You made adjustments. And you became a better defense. I don't think this defense has the ceiling of that defense or certainly last year's defense, but last year's defense is a a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing, right? It just sucks that you didn't have, and God, I love Tommy, love Chase, but I do think that this offense would have been kind of fun to see with it. I think that Luke has this ceiling or gives you a ceiling that maybe you didn't have last year. Beside the point, talking sports is thinking they can get to eight. Hmm. Kevin says at this point, we will have to trust Coach Bielema's ability to adapt and make the necessary tough decisions. But this defense looks nothing like last year. Have to figure out why. Probably need to play the star freshman running back and block better. That's all. Yeah, no hey, no big things there, uh, Kevin. I mean, to your points, the defense, it's just off. And that's the scary thing. When you can't pinpoint a simple personnel switch, when you can't pinpoint a simple schematic thing like, hey, against Penn State, let's just go all man in the secondary, because he'd probably get roasted back there. I don't know. You'd like to think that you can continue to hang your hat on Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, who were good against Kansas, but even though they were good against Kansas, you still got shredded. So what does that mean? And of course, there's the fear that maybe some Illini fans have is you get these opportunities with really great players and you squander them. I don't want to squander a game-breaking D lineman like Johnny Newton, who I thought was very disappointing against Toledo, but was great against Kansas. And if he's making those same plays against Penn State, he's taking Aller to the ground. 
And God, you're going to need something like a forced fumble recovery or you're going to need to pressure him. So Kevin, I don't know what the heck's going on with the defense. And that's kind of the story until they aren't the story. And I'd love to think at some point this year, they don't become the story, almost become invisible, not invisible to the opposing offense where they can throw all over you, but invisible in our, Oh God, what if this happens? What if that happens in the game where we just can start to assume again that, Hey, the defense Probably going to give up 24, 23, but the offense is starting to figure it out. I mean, that you can work with in this Big Ten West. You can't work with what you saw the last two weeks. All right, Nathaniel, slight downward shift in expectations. For me, the goal was always 6-6 six and six because consistent bowling is the key, but I thought that we'd look better. Getting there, excuse me, Nathaniel. Now, however, after the PSU game, the hard part of the schedule is over, and there's a path to six to eight wins if there is improvement. Big if, Nathaniel. Bielma's track record so far here, and I really got to go back to 2021. I think this season is going to be similar to that. It's not going to be 2022 because you aren't going to have a dominant unit like you did last year. But if we do find similarities between this year and 2021, it's maybe the fact that you're time to make changes game came in game two and not game three you know your your call the jesus moment happened a game earlier and that i think your schedule overall is probably easier than that year k andrew says expectations changed my qualifications for a successful season have not Ooh, i like that k andrew says six and six gotta get there Hoping defensive staff was just too freaked out by mobile qbs to plan effectively and they let the fear take the wheel and steer Hope staff adjust towards our strengths in the Big Ten. I ponder that, K. Andrew, if it's just merely overthinking it, overplanning, getting in your own head when it came to Finn and Daniels. It's possible. God knows football coaches just have this weird propensity to overthink. Now, I don't think that's good. <laughs> you know, like, you got to be confident in what you do. You just had a great defense. You just... the. One time we saw an Aaron Henry defense was against a good Mississippi State team that basically had everybody playing in that bowl game. I think there was one second string running back or something that didn't play. That was their offense. You kept them at bay. It was a little more bend, not break, but you were playing sound fundamental defense. Now, you did have Quan Martin back there to help out. But short of that, or and I guess Dark Angelo, but other than that, it was what you see. It was what you see. So why? Were you so effective against a SEC offense that can put up points and so bad against Toledo and Kansas? Well, one key difference, Mississippi State's quarterback, great passer, couldn't run worth a darn. They kind of countered it by just quick release, quick release, quick release. But these plays have been long developing plays against Kansas and Toledo. And instead of dinking and dunking you, they're, they're gashing you. Because they're extending plays and they're stretching you out and you're overthinking the damn thing. So, Kay Andrew, I think there's probably something to that. Now, this is from Dave. And Dave, this is not a ridiculous statement because we're sitting here and we're recalibrating expectations. But Dave says, I'd be shocked if they won four games without any major changes in performance. I need to see the O-line, secondary, and edge linebackers do better. Fair. Especially in the O-line and the edge linebackers. Well, the edge linebackers uh, combo. So we're going to say outside linebackers and inside. Uh, the, the secondary, Dave, I'm, I'm going to key in on them Saturday, perhaps unfairly. I, I don't think that all things considered, they have been the issue. I think not bringing the quarterback down, despite some pressures against Kansas, not really against Toledo, not bringing the quarterback down has made their job really hard. I think that they have been kind of, I don't know if confused is the right word, but unable to get into a rhythm because they're, so much adjusting between man and zone. And and the offensive line, I think, can be fixed with a simple personnel switch. Don't overthink it. Again, it ain't working at right tackle. Bring Isaiah Adams to right tackle and put Chris Lorin. Voila. Now you shouldn't suck. Now, you're going to have issues. I, I, it's not like the issues get completely cleaned up, but I do think that you... Make it a little better. I mean, geez, Louise, you're just asking for the line to be good. I think they can get back to being good. But I think great, that ship has probably sailed. Ben says, thumbs up for the season has always been 
six wins. But the upside potential winning the West seems like something that's much less likely now. That said, Iowa and Wisconsin don't look any better through two weeks than I thought they would be. I agree, Ben. I I know Iowa beat Iowa State, but I don't know what the heck's going on with Matt Campbell and Iowa State. I know Jeremy said that Matt Campbell probably stayed a couple years too long and he missed his opportunity to jump. But Iowa State has had moments where they can establish some successful winning. And they're just kind of a bore of a team right now. More boring than Iowa, and that's saying something. From Roger, I haven't changed my outlook. After 69 years of watching, I know Illini fans are so hungry for a winning team, they always think they're going to win the national title. Disappointment is in our DNA and always has been. I will counter that, Roger, by saying I think this conversation and listener feedback have shown that Illini fans will very quickly recalibrate expectations, and for football, we don't need much. We don't. Happy as a clam with seven or eight a year. And this year, fine, get six. (sighs) But get six. Please get six. National title. This program's never winning a national title. That's okay. I don't need it to. To me, it is the overall experience of college football and the traditions, the tailgates, the the moments. I mean, Saturday's still going to be a great day. And if Illinois doesn't get their asses handed to them, it's going to be a great day. If they do get their asses handed to them, it's going to be a very good day. Okay, so that's not too big of a difference. All that to say that I I don't need them to be competing for Big Ten championships regularly. I don't need them to be winning national titles. I need them to give me genuine excitement for game days. The first two weeks of this year, genuine excitement for Toledo. I gave them the benefit of the doubt before Kansas. I felt bamboozled after Kansas more than Toledo, being that a week one opponent and all that. But... I don't know, Roger, if anyone's asking for a national title. I sure as heck am not. Basketball sometime in my life, please, basketball, figure it out. But uh, football, no. I, I don't expect it, don't need it. Andrew says, going into the season, I thought we'd win nine max. More likely would get uh, six or seven. So I'm fine with six. Sure, I want way more, just what I thought. Scott says, expect them to be bowl eligible with seven or eight wins. Okay optimistic perspective they must find ways to win the games they're supposed to dropping the game to kansas just can't happen if the program is going to really move forward and scott i think i want to amend that with a bit of my opinion there you mentioned dropping the game to kansas just can't happen it's the way it was dropped it was the way that you got manhandled by a kansas team and maybe not so much the line play it's not like kansas's lines dominated you but you thought you would hopefully be able to dominate their lines, at least before the season began and you saw the Toledo game. It was just the overall way that they kind of toyed with you. That is embarrassing. On national TV, most people had turned away well before Illinois made their fake rally. I hope a lot of people didn't turn in, tune in on Friday night, so they just saw the score and thought, ah, oh, yeah, tough road game for Illinois. That's a big win for Kansas. I would love to think that more people think big win for Kansas than they think, God, what the hell happened to Illinois? But if you were watching that game, as you said, that can't happen. It can't. One thing we need to address, 10,000 new season tickets. Illini fans took a leap of faith that this would be different. If you beat Toledo the way you did and you lose to Kansas in a one-score competitive game, the vibe on Saturday is completely different. The vibe on Saturday, the number of no-shows, the fact you won't sell more tickets than the Toledo game, the fact that, well, we won't get into Big Noon kickoff, but let's say Big Noon kickoff was here. How many people would actually populate Grange Grove to make that look impressive? This was supposed to be a moment, potentially, but the way you played has not allowed it to be that moment. Instead, we're back in picking up the pieces mode. A little alarming for any fan, but especially for those that just recently reinvested in it. 10,000 new season ticket holders. You've got to do better than that. Because that's not going to keep them. And we rinse and repeat and ebbs and flows, and we can't get that consistent momentum needed to make this program take the next step. Because guess what? Fan engagement is part of it, of taking that next step. That doesn't help. All right. 
Soapbox, I'll get off of it. From Dad Life Dion, there's still room to make waves. Would love to see one and get more creative and would love to see the defense keep things in front and contained. Containment has been a big issue, Dion. Lunny, you say more creative. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. Sometimes he gets too cute, which I worry is his form of getting creative. I still see extended sequences with Lunny that I like. I see a nugget of a really good offensive coordinator in there. And I'm wondering, is this a personnel thing? Is he not able to run it to its full effectiveness? When he had an older offense at UTSA and a quarterback that knew a system, they were very good. They were very sound. They possessed the ball for most of the game, and they mixed run and pass. Very effectively. So I, I see a nugget of a good coordinator in there. We just haven't seen enough of it. Let me get some coffee real quick, everybody. Sorry. From Jake. This is not the same team as last year. Too much has changed between the players and the staff. What I want to see is a coaching staff that can adjust on the fly and maximize this team's potential. My expectations aren't tied to wins, but rather improvement and development. Jake, probably the most reasonable thing I've seen. Uh, The pressure that I put on, and many fans, make a bowl game. Make a bowl game. I think it's important, especially for the casuals that might have just gotten on board this year or, or the new season ticket holders. I think a bowl game is crucial for that. I think making a bowl game and having the quarterback coming back next year, you, you can still build on that. It won't feel as great as an eight-win season. But six, returning quarterback, returning skill players, you know, you'll have some work to do, but at least it won't feel like the cupboard's bare. You'll feel like, okay, we've maybe avoided rock bottom like we did with Turner and Zook, right? But I also agree that there are going to be some eye test things over the next month especially to see, are we improving or are we flatlining? I hope to God it's not the latter. You know, I, I think that they can improve, and I think there's enough talent, even with the upheaval in the secondary and, and some personnel changes. And, of course, you mentioned the staff changes. Yeah, that's big. I don't want to discount that, but good programs lose coaches. I don't know if Illinois, we can't qualify them as a good program yet, but I, I think the reason we got 10,000 new season tickets is because people thought this can be a good program under this coach who has a lot of experience. So this is, I mean, I haven't even hardly mentioned Brett Bielema this episode. I like Brett Bielema. Everyone knows that. I, mean, I, I think that this is our best opportunity to build a successfully, a sustained successful program because of his experience, especially in the Big Ten. This is his ship. These are his coordinators. This is his staff. I can blame Lonnie and say, and you know, yeah, I do need to see more from Lonnie. But that's Bielema's guy. I need to see more from Aaron Henry for sure. And I know it's only been two games. But that's Bielema's guy and also kind of Bielema's identity, the defense. So what the heck? It goes back up top. I, I appreciate Brett's honesty in every press conference. I appreciate Aaron Henry taking accountability on Monday. I think we have some really sharp dudes in there, but they got to figure this out enough to get this team to six wins, period. From G. Gordon Witte, team needs six wins and remain competitive in every game going forward for this to be considered a successful season. Last two games have looked like the 08 and 09 Zook teams. Oh. G. Gordon Liddy brought back bad memories. The 08 team, I, I just look back for God knows what reason at their schedule. How do you lose that home game to Minnesota the week after you win on the road against Michigan? How the hell do you let that happen? Terrible Minnesota team. That still peeves me. Can one be peeved like I was peeved, okay? Missed the world's largest basketball scrimmage after that. I think many did because they were too ticked off. Losing against Western Michigan and Detroit. I know that's the obvious example. I go back to that and the Minnesota games. is just, what are you doing? Losing by 10, I just looked this up because Bielema was at Wisconsin. I remember watching that game thinking, okay, this is a get-right game for Illinois. Wisconsin's struggling. They've lost five in a row. Now nah, they beat you by 10. What a what a complete cluster 08 was. And then 09 was just an abysmal embarrassment. He should have been fired after that. The recruiting had dropped off, bringing a coach that can actually coach for the 10 and 11 seasons, and he might have been able to turn around right away. 
But Gunther in his infinite wisdom, and I'm sorry, another soapbox here. Gunther in his infinite wisdom says, I'm going to put Band-Aids on a gaping wound and bring in Paul Petrino and Vic Koning. And you know what? It damn near worked. I guess you could say credit to Gunther. But the problem is that prolonged the rebuild under poor hapless Tim Beckman. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Tim. I don't mean to call you hapless. But yeah, that, that sucks. So G. Gordon Woody, you brought up bad memories, man. Sorry. It's not your fault. It's Illinois football's fault. Timbo1 says 7-5. and five. Now, I got a few things here in the chat thread in YouTube. And this is from Ben. Being able to run the ball effectively was the cornerstone of our game plan last year. If McCray can't help, I don't think Love can get you what Brown did on his own. Ben, I agree with that. If McCray can't help, you're going to see Caden Fagan. You are. You already saw him for a carry in Kansas. I think that could continue. Uh, this is from Brad. Love is actually averaging five yards a carry. I think Love looks fine and will continue to at like 15 carries a game. Trying to see if there's anything else here to get to in the chat window. Yeah, as Ben says, four remaining must-wins and six toss-ups. Feel somewhat similar to last year. Now, Ben, I will say I'm not going to throw Penn State in the toss-up bin. I guess it's probably about make a prediction time, which I'll do before we leave here. And yeah. Let's do it. As Anthony says, I think we'll be okay this season. We could do better, but it won't be an Illini implosion. Anthony, I, let's end on some positive thinking here. I tend to agree I'm not in implosion mode yet. I'm not. I think there's enough on this team to avoid implosion. I think that there's enough in the staff and the ability to adapt, which we saw in 2021 especially, to avoid implosion. I think the schedule will make it easier to avoid implosion. And for this team avoiding implosion, I keep on saying that, will find their way to six wins and maybe seven. And if you beat Purdue and you beat Wisconsin, maybe eight. I mean, here's a scenario for you. You lose, you lose Saturday to Penn State. I'll make my prediction before we get out of here. But what's, <laughs> who's going to predict a win? Not me. Though what if they did? Could you imagine? You know, all of a sudden you're two and one after all that. You're two and one with the winning as the top 10 team. And now you're, whoa, okay, well, we'll listen, we'll cross that bridge if we get there. Just, I'm getting even thinking about the notion of an upset. But let's say you lose and you beat Florida Atlantic, you're two and two. And then you go to Purdue and you somehow win. And it would be a monster win with what we've seen so far. That would be a monster win. I'll see the first half. And then we have a gig that night at eight. Did not think Illinois Purdue would get the night game, but what the heck. Maybe for my own sanity, that's better. I will have my phone streaming the game at my feet, basically, for the second half. Will it be the most engaged set of decadence performances? Probably not. But you know what? If Illinois wins that game, assuming you beat Florida Atlantic, and if you don't beat Florida Atlantic, we're going to have a very different podcast, then you're sitting there at 3-2 and two with a very winnable game against Nebraska, and then you could be talking about 4-2. and two. I mentioned before the season that that three-game stretch, you can make hay, that you could start one and two and still make your way back to a really good record with those three games, and you still could. Four and two, it's right there for you. But if you lose one of those, and you're three and three, and then you're going to Maryland, and you're probably three and four. But you know what, again... That could be one of those things where you are 3-3 three and three and you go in on a sleepy Saturday in Maryland and they aren't thinking much about you and you aren't thinking much about them and you get the win. Who knows? But let's call it 3-4. and four. That's why it comes down to Wisconsin and Purdue. I think the difference between a 6-7 and seven win season or an 8-win season. If you beat Purdue and Wisconsin, I, I still think you can get to 8. And I think you can beat those two teams. And then you got... At Minnesota is a possibility. Why not? That's after a bye week. Indiana, Northwestern in November. Hey, all is not lost. I know over there they think all is not lost, but I do hope that within the coaches' meetings at least, they're having hard conversations. I hope they were a little bit shook about what happened. And they're the smart dudes getting a lot of money over there, right? They got to figure out how to make this thing competent. If they can make the defense competent, and if they can make the offense more consistent, because I do think you have a quarterback that can be pretty darn special, then yeah, I think you can get your way to six for sure and maybe seven wins. And then if you beat Purdue and Wisconsin, that means you're ahead of schedule from where I think you are right now. That is maybe getting you back on the path to an eight-win conversation. 
It's, it's right there for you. There's not going to be many Saturdays where you wake up thinking, oh boy, we're screwed. Unfortunately, Saturday might be one of those. Now, I am not as scared of Penn State as a program, despite their lofty record and ranking and their talent. Historically, we tend to do okay against Penn State, except for, well, 2005 was a big one. But for the most part, you've, do, you've done better against them than the other two upper echelon Big Ten teams in the last 20 years. Let's see, you beat Penn State in 01. You beat them in 07. You beat them, well, you should have beat them in 2011, but you missed the kick. That was Joe Paterno's last game. So you're competing with Penn State. Like, for the most part, you're competing against them. In 2013, you lose in overtime to them, but in 2014, you beat them. What? You beat them in 2014. Can't remember if Lovey ever played Penn State. I, I don't remember that. If he did, he probably got shellacked, as Lovey teams often did. But you beat them a couple years ago when they were number seven in triple, triple-triple, three times three, nine overtimes. So I don't expect a repeat of that game. I think that they're ahead of schedule and you're behind schedule, and that probably doesn't bode well for the matchup. I expect Illinois to play better. I don't know what that looks like against a loaded number seven in the nation, Big Ten East favorite, along with Michigan. I don't think Ohio State's going to be there. Penn State team. I'll go 31 to 24. Nah, 31 to 23. And for Illinois, two touchdowns, three field goals. Penn State is a more traditional pro-style offense. I think that you will figure out how to kind of get back into the basics of defense. Despite the talent level with Penn State, I think that you will figure a few things out that will make you feel better for Florida Atlantic. Because I know Florida Atlantic might be better than you thought they were, but then last Saturday reminded you, it's still Florida Atlantic. They lost 17-10 to against Ohio. That's a game you should win. You feel better about it if you look serviceable, sound, fundamentally sound against Penn State. Too many horses, I think, to win this game. But you leave the stadium Saturday thinking, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. 31-23. That's my prediction. I don't want to call it a moral victory, but when you've got a much easier schedule ahead, I would hope that this opening three-game gauntlet helped you out. And it could. So we're ending on a positive note. Before we get out of here, everybody, first off, YouTube feed, thank you all for tuning in. A reminder, we got 200-level hoodies. We're taking pre-orders through Sunday on, uh, let's see, at the 200-level on Twitter. You can find the link. At Fanboy Carp on Twitter. You can find the link as well. Got to thank DP Doe. I'm on a dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Also got to thank... State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728 to get your furnace check scheduled. It's getting to be that time. Cooler temps are arriving here. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. And finally, Owen Builders LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com. Patios, decks, home additions, kitchen, bath. These guys are great. Check out the gallery online at owenbuildersllc.com. For the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, you can rate and review us at Apple Podcast. Maybe I got some angry reviews after my Twitter escapades on Friday, but we'll take a one-star, five-star, any rating and review that you can give us on Apple Podcast. Helps us move up the old search engine so when someone puts a Illini football or basketball in there, 200 level shows up. So, thank you for making our podcast part of your Illini media rotation. We will be back Sunday for a post-game discussion of what the heck we saw against Penn State. Will we win? Ah, probably not. But compete. Leave that stadium feeling better than when you walked in. I think it's possible. And this is the kind of weekend where Brett Bielema makes his money. At least I hope so. Hey, regardless, say hi to us at the 200-level tailgate on what looks to be a perfect fall day. We're going to be the same spot, 50-yard line, closer to Oak Street than 1st Street, in lot 31 with the 200-level flag. So if I don't see you Saturday, we'll see you Sunday morning for a post game right here on YouTube. 
Take care, everybody, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200th level. 